Available at farmnewsnow.com or wherever you find your favorite podcast. Agriculture through a modern lens. This is the AgriPod with Alice McFarland. On this episode, Farm Credit Canada says all things considered, 2020 was a pretty good year for Canadian agriculture and food exporters. Chief Economist J.P. Gervais will tell us how Canada's agriculture and food industry has shown resilience during the pandemic and has the potential to emerge from this even stronger. And he also will tell us that Canada had the highest year-over-year increase for agriculture commodity exports. And even with the challenges on the road ahead, Gervais says the sector is looking very strong. The canola crop is now in the bin, and the Canola Council of Canada is taking the opportunity to remind producers about growing clubroot-resistant canola and the steps needed to keep the disease spores from spreading. Canola Council of Canada agronomy specialist Autumn Barnes will share newly created infographics for farmers to help them tackle club root and strategies for planning next year's crop. After the break, GP Gervais. Digging into the topics that matter to you. The AgriPod with Alice McFarlane. Despite a global contraction in agriculture exports, 2020 was a relatively good year for Canadian agriculture and food exporters. That's according to Farm Credit Canada's latest trade report. And with me is J.P. Gervais, FCC's chief economist. So, J.P., first of all, explain what information you collected. Yeah, what we did is uh, look at our export performance globally. So it takes a little bit of a time to collect the data from our competitors, our main markets, and so forth. And that's the reason why there's a lag in between now and and the, the, the year that we're looking at. But the one thing we wanted to look at is our overall performance and how it compares overall to what we um, we actually measure when it comes to global trade. And when you look at 2020, obviously lots of disruptions at the start of the pandemic and and uh, we're still living with it for sure. But uh, despite the disruptions, we had a pretty strong performance. If you look at global trade in 2020, just for ag commodities, it actually declined relative to 2019, declined by about 9%. But when you look at our own export performance in Canada for ag commodities, it went up by roughly almost 14%. So it's quite a bit of a a difference between what uh, we had as a performance as a country, despite all the disruptions, despite all the challenges, we showed quite a bit of resiliency, and uh, overall a pretty strong performance at a time when overall trade for ag actually declined. And, and when you look at um, when you look at food exports, I mean, pretty much the same story. Less of a decline globally. I mean, the uh, export flows or trade of food products actually declined four percent, and we actually grew our exports of food products by 6.5%. So overall, pretty strong performance. And uh, I think it speaks to the resiliency and, and the overall efficiency of the entire agri-food supply chain in Canada. So your report says we're getting close to the top 10 in the world in one specific category. So maybe tell us about that. Well, we're not in the top 10 when it comes to food products. We have still some ways to go when it comes to processing some of the commodities that we grow domestically. But when it comes to exporting our own ag commodities, we're number five in the world. So we're in the top five when it comes to raw products. But when it comes to uh, processing the commodities that we grow, I think we still have some ways to go. I think this is where the opportunity is. The more we can develop the value add 
part of the supply chain that is processing more of the ag commodities domestically and exporting the value-add products, the more we're going to capture the benefits of that value-added. And, 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 and I think this is going to raise income basically to all the supply chain. I think everybody stands for uh, to gain from the success that we would have processing more and exporting more of our processed products when it comes to uh, our export performance. And I guess the other good news uh, story is that Canada continues to be uh, top performer when it comes to meat exports. Well, when it comes to growth, yes, we had we've had quite a bit of growth in 2020. I think despite again the disruptions that we had in uh, due to COVID-19 and some of the disruptions that global supply chains experienced, I think overall we uh, performance has been solid. I mean, we've grown a bit of market share again relative to other competitors. Um, and, and so I, I think some of the silver lining, so to speak, or some of the positive trend is still ongoing. If you look at our current export performance, if you look at what we expect for the rest of the year as well into 2022, I think it's pretty clear to me that there's, there's quite a bit of strength when it comes to meat demand. And so animal, the demand for animal protein is pretty strong globally. And I do think that we're well positioned to supply some of that demand. Now, of course, we know uh, how impactful canola has been for the Canadian economy and a positive story for the country. What did your research tell us about canola exports? For sure. And, and obviously, when I think of this year, especially, you know, it's always the end of this year as well as into 2022. We, were, we can't expect, obviously, the performance that we've had in recent years to be repeated just for the, from the fact that production has been it'll be down about 40 percent. And so... Um, it really is, I think, about maximizing the revenues we get from the supply that we have available. So those farm operations that have been fortunate enough to, to grow a decent crop will, will benefit from the high prices, and others will probably find it really challenging from a revenue standpoint. And we'll have to probably lean a little bit on insurance to, 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 uh, to make up for the shortfall on the revenue side of things. But overall, I think if you look at the demand, you know, focusing on canola and, and oil seeds and the major vegetable oil is still very, very strong, you know, in terms of the global stage. And so I do think that once we can get through this marketing year, and um, we'll see that uh, probably we're going to be able to pick up where we left off if we uh, can have a very decent uh, crop in 2022. The Canadian dollar has been gaining value on the American dollar since the start of the calendar year. Uh, normally, that's a bad thing for Canadian agriculture, though, isn't it? Well, normally, I would say it's not necessarily a good thing. I, you know, we tend to monitor the Canadian to U.S. dollar exchange rate and, and lean on that value to sort of assess where we are from a competitive standpoint. And, of course, for sure, I mean, it matters a lot. I mean, when, when you look at the U.S., I mean, the U.S. is, you know, in most of the cases, most of the commodities that we export is one of the largest competitors that we have. It's also a major market for us. And so a higher Canadian dollar relative to the U.S. dollar is, usually hurts our competitiveness. But one of the points that we try to make in our report is that, hey, we have to take a broader view of the value of the Canadian dollar. Because in a lot of cases, we're competing against other exporters, whether it's Russia for wheat, whether it's um, Brazil for meat, or, I mean, the, the value of the Canadian dollar relative to these currencies also matters. And so despite the fact that we've gained a bit of value since we the start of the pandemic when it comes to the loonie against the U.S. dollar, that's not necessarily the case for our currency relative to the currency of other exporters other than the U.S. And so overall, I think we're in pretty good shape. I mean, this is perhaps one of the things that we're going to monitor for the rest of the year into 2022. I mean, some of the inflationary pressures that we're seeing in the marketplace could actually 
Labour Party candidate to actually lift interest rates a little bit sooner than everybody's expecting currently, which is sort of the middle of second half of 2022. Um, stronger demand for energy, oil, lifting oil prices, and so usually that also correlates with the value of the loony, and so all of those things are going to have to be monitored so to understand the, um, the competitiveness that we can gain in the marketplace based on uh, the value of the Canadian dollar. And JP, how would you summarize the report that's just been released? Well, I think it highlights the fact that uh, when we uh, take a, a perspective that includes the entire supply chain, I think we have lots to gain by looking at strengths and weaknesses and opportunities and challenges throughout the entire supply chain as opposed to just focusing on one single sector. And so do think that supporting the entire supply chain makes a whole lot of sense in terms of uh, that some of the gains that we're seeing at one level of the supply chain actually have some benefits for the other uh, other levels of the supply chain, whether at the farm level, farm input suppliers, or retailers. J.P. Gervais is the Chief Economist with Farm Credit Canada. After the break, we'll hear from Autumn Barnes with the Canola Council of Canada about the low and local campaign being promoted as a way to prevent the widespread of the soil-borne disease. Digging into the topics that matter to you. The AgriPod with Alice McFarlane. Keeping club root low and local is being promoted as the way to prevent the widespread of this soil-borne disease. The Canola Council of Canada has developed an easy-to-read fact sheet for farmers. Autumn Barnes is an agronomy specialist with the council. And Autumn, I understand that the information was compiled to really help farmers understand the disease and provide some, I guess, guidance on prevention and uh, management strategies? really hard to keep things simple with clubroot. That disease just gets so complicated in a hurry. So we're trying to simplify things and make it make a little bit more sense. So the whole goal for farmers and for people who support farmers should be to keep the clubroot spores low, so as low of a, a concentration of them in the soil as possible, and to keep them local, so don't move them around. So basically, yeah, we want to anchor them down as we can and try and reduce them as fast as we can. Canola farmers have some strategies to minimize spore numbers, like following a strict rotation and controlling brassica disease and scouting. So the best way to keep spore numbers low would be to follow a crop rotation at least one in three. So that's a minimum two-year break between canola. That would be one of the most important things. Um, we know that one in three rotation can break down about 90% of club root spores. So if, if growers stick to that and they start with a lower spore concentration to begin with, you know, that's doing a lot of the heavy lifting. Probably the next most important thing would be scouting. Even if you're in an area that you don't have confirmed club root yet, it's really important to scout in the fall, um, you know, late summer or, or fall, pull up roots and, and look for any sort of uh, swelling or growth on the roots. You kind of want to pay attention, especially in the higher traffic or higher moisture areas when you're scouting. But yeah, crop rotation, scouting, growing club root resistant varieties super important even if you're in an area that doesn't have club root actually club root resistant varieties bringing them in early can actually help us maintain low spore concentrations whereas if club root spores get introduced to a field and then a susceptible variety is grown you're going to be amplifying and multiplying those spores really fast so knowing that it's a little tricky to find club root early it's especially important to grow club root resistance in addition to all these other management practices and then you know another thing we can do is, is control weeds. So 
often people think of club root as a canola disease, and it is a canola disease, but first and foremost, it's, it's a soil disease. So it's there even when canola is not. And any brassica weeds, like your volunteer canola, stinkweed, flixweed, shepherd's purse, mustards, all of those will be multiplying club root spores in your non-canola years. So really important to control those weeds. Would you say that um, there's been an increase in the number of producers who are using club root resistant cultivars? More and more every year. In 2020, I think we were around 40% um, across Prairie Canada. Um, in Alberta, it's a little higher just because that's, you know, we have more history with club root in Alberta. But every year the number gets higher. And the goal is, you know, all the seed companies have agreed to be putting forward clubbert resistant varieties going forward. So all varieties will be clubbert resistant in the next few years, but we need to make sure that growers are, you know, building that demand to match the supply because it is such an important practice. Now the Canola Council of Canada has put together a couple of infographics on club root. And I guess it really is to provide a visual of the disease and its habits. These have actually been pretty fun to make. So there's some nice visuals sort of showing what happens as spore concentration increases at the risk of club root increases and kind of breaks down that low and local messaging. Importantly as well, how to keep spores local um, would be biosecurity. So trying to prevent the introduction and spread of spores and then reducing tillage, which is really reducing soil erosion. And then another thing actually, which I think is really cool on on these new infographics is breaking down patch management for club root a little bit more. So that's sort of a newer way to manage the pest. And really what it involves is managing a patch of club root in the field separately from the rest of the field so that you can reduce spore concentration and then also prevent the spores from spreading. So in these new resources, there's a bit more of a break on how farmers can be doing patch management in their field. Autumn Barnes is an agronomy specialist with the Canola Council of Canada. This is the Agriculture News Roundup for the week of October 25, 2021. Marie-Claude Bebo was returned to Cabinet as the Minister of Agriculture and Agri-Food. The Canadian Federation of Agriculture said it was looking forward to working again with Bebo. CFA President Mary Robinson said they will continue to focus on environmental benefits of the industry and providing increased funding for the next policy framework. Brandt Group has completed its $302 million purchase of service equipment. The transaction doubles the number of Brandt equipment dealerships to 120 across Canada. Brandt CEO Sean Sample said this is Brandt's largest acquisition to date, including 64 dealerships across Canada, as well as Australia and New Zealand. Pasta makers will be paying more for Durham as world supplies are very tight following severe drought in growing regions in western Canada and the United States. Analyst Bruce Burnett says Durham prices will likely move higher because Canada will only be able to ship 2.8 million tonnes of the 4.5 million in export demand. Burnett believes the United States has already exported too much Durham and may have to increase imports by 300,000 tonnes compared to last year. The drought conditions may have decelerated the spread of club root across Saskatchewan this year, but it didn't eradicate it. Plant disease specialist Ali Riza Akavan said his team is working on data regarding club root right now, but are still waiting for soil samples to be submitted. He said in terms of visible symptoms, there was less occurrence of club root in the province due to the drought. Saskatchewan's map of club root will be released in January.
Several farm organizations are part of the creation of a website designed to bring attention to the global shipping container crisis and its effect on Canada. Container Crunch outlines the impact shipping container shortages are having on consumers and the economy. The website stated the federal government has jurisdictional responsibility over the transportation system. The groups are asking the government to immediately open an investigation under Section 49 of the Canada Transport Act. Researchers at the University of Saskatchewan are looking for ways to remove arsenic from drinking water. The group is developing a process by turning agricultural waste such as wheat and canola straw into a fibre that absorbs the toxin. The team is using the Canadian light source at USASC to make their water purifying process more efficient. The Port of Churchill will not be moving any grain for the next couple of years. The new owners, a group of 29 Indigenous and a dozen non-Indigenous communities, are part of the Arctic Gateway Group. An extensive rehab of the rail line will take place that will include efforts to stabilize the track bed that sits on top of Muskeg. Most of the work will be on the stretch from Gillam to Churchill. Repairs are also being made to the roof of the 92-year-old grain terminal, which is in otherwise good condition. And CP Rail has outperformed CN Rail during the three months of the 2021-22 crop year. Milt Poirier with QGI Consulting said CP racked up car fulfillment orders exceeding 98%. There has been less consistency at CN with weekly fulfilled car orders varying from as low as 79% to a high of 88%. Poirier said that grain flow from elevators has also fluctuated. If you like what you've heard, you can rate and review wherever you get your podcasts and make sure to subscribe to AgriPod with Alice McFarlane for more weekly episodes. The AgriPod is produced by Colby Heiss with host and CJVR Agriculture Director Alice McFarlane and is a division of the Jim Pattison Broadcast Group. Available wherever you find your favorite podcast and at farmnewsnow.com.